It's refreshment time, folks. After returns and videotapes. Are either one of these any good? I don't watch movies. Do you like scary movies, Sydney? You have a TV? No. I just like to read the TV guide. Read the TV guide. Don't need a TV. Books, records, films, these things matter. Call me shallow. It's the fucking truth. Over 1,600 titles. Each for rent at just $2 the first night and only... I don't watch TV. Yeah, but you are aware that there's an invention called television, and on this invention they show shows, right? Tonight on Six Ed World. Okay, I want channels 18, 24, 63, 10987, and Weather Channel. Welcome to the Frog Brothers Podcast with your hosts, Justin and Alec. Hello! It's the 4th of July week. The week of the 4th of July. Fireworks, fireworks, fire, fire. Hey, 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 butthead. Damn it, Bavis, you can't set off any fireworks in my house. Stick this in your butt and go set yourself off like a rocket. Don't mind if I do. Thanks. Thank you very much. Yeah, so yesterday the little Kittner boy died. Did you hear about that? Yeah, I did. Poor little fucker got ate by a shark. Goddamn. It's Terrible. getting crazy out there. We gotta close those beaches. Yeah. You must close the beaches. We must close the beaches. So it's our 4th of July extravaganza. I am Justin, one of your co-hosts of the Frog Brothers podcast, and with me, as always, my brother from the same mother, Alec. Hello! And welcome to the Frog Brothers Podcast. Hi ho! Welcome to the Frog Brothers Podcast. Oh, Kermy, we love the Frog Brothers Podcast. <laughs> All right, so did you uh, check out this Ferris Bueller reunited apart yet? Negative, Ghost Rider. I have not had the chance to sit down and watch that yet. Well, it was pretty glorious. Uh, pretty much everyone you wanted to see in there, except Edward Rooney. For obvious reasons. And uh, the only other person I wish they had was Charlie Sheen. Because, oh, that know, would have been perfect. He should have come in there at the end. And been like, there's someone you should meet. If you save Ferris Bueller, you lose a testicle. But um, it was oh, pretty funny. The guy? As they, They're always kind of amusing. You know, they have their little scripted bits at the beginning. And uh, his with Matthew Broderick was pretty funny. And yeah, then, where they're uh, trying to get the whole crew together. And they talk about John Hughes a lot, you know. And then they talk about him uh, at the end. And you need to see this because they have a bunch of um, pre-recorded message videos that they play of people reciting quotes from their movies that are John Hughes written. That's awesome. So you literally have Chevy Chase doing his... We're ten hours from the fucking fun park and you want to bail out speech. You have Steve Martin. I can't remember what he does, but it's something from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. You have the mother from Home Alone. Um, the woman who's trying to hit on Uncle Buck. It's like one of the, you know, fucking the nerd from Breakfast Club, Anthony Michael Hall. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, the other kid from Weird Science, like a bunch of them. It just over and over. As soon as you think it's like, oh, I've seen about everybody, it just keeps going. So it's pretty sick. You should check that out, definitely. 
Beverly D'Angelo with Christmas Vacation quotes. Nice. I'll uh, be looking for that here then this week sometime when I get some downtime. I was going to say, even if you're not a huge Ferris Bueller person, knowing the John Hughes person you are, the ending is worth it. No, I enjoy Ferris Bueller quite a bit. I just haven't got around to that one. I always love Alan Ruck, so, you know. Rabbit is good, rabbit is wise. Oh, yeah. I haven't been into my YouTube because I subscribe to the uh, show, so I need to get in there and check that out. Sure do. So, I was listening to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend earlier today, and I would highly suggest you listen to the episode with Mike Myers. Uh, We won't play the clip on here, but... Um, there's a spot in the episode where Mike Myers is talking about like living, you know, being sad when a movie's over because he wants to stay and like live in that movie universe because things are funny. And, uh, one of the movies he mentioned specifically is Ghostbusters. So, uh, knowing Mike Myers, like he's got such a broad comedy background. I had no idea that he was such a fan of that movie and to have him like name that one specifically, I was like, ah, makes a lot of sense there. Yeah. But it was a pretty good episode. He talks a lot about how uh, how things are, how, uh, you know, a little bit about when Conan was writing on uh, Saturday Night Live and some of the jokes that um, he would play on people when he was working on there with uh, Mike Myers coming on the show. So pretty nice. good stuff. Highly recommend listening to that one. That sounds awesome. I always, so what's, uh, your, uh, uh, what's, your, what's your favorite music to listen to on the 4th of July? I know what you're going to say, but but I would say, I don't know, shit like you'd hear in 80s movies, um, specifically like action movies and theme songs, big uh, distorted guitars, but they usually would be synthesizers in there. Okay. And you might be thinking, oh, there's Rush, but no, Rush is Canadian. Can't listen to Canadian music on the 4th of July. No, so a couple of years ago, I was at a, uh, so two stories here. I was uh, at a, my neighbor's, well, my old neighbor's 4th of July party, and, you know, people are setting off fireworks and having a good time, and, like, we're getting real patriotic, and we're, you know, we've been having a few drinks, and so uh, I wound up playing some tunes from the uh, Team America World Police soundtrack, and fucking, that was, like, the hype music everyone needed to blow shit up for America Day. So that yeah. was wildly entertaining. But on that note, that was the uh, night that I ran into uh, one of my buddy Tyler's friends, who's a tattoo artist as well, and he had this huge Slimer tattoo on his leg, so I got to talking to him about it, right? And told him, I was like, oh, man, I'm going to come and get a Slimer tattoo from you, you know? And I think he thought I was, like, full of shit. So when I finally hit him up the next year... Uh, like early on in the year, like six months later, I hit him up and I came in there. I was like, hey, man, come and get that Slimer tattoo. So we kind of planned it out and got it going. And he's like, man, we were both so drunk when you said that. I was like, yeah. I was like, but that was some serious business right there. It's like, you can't forget about your Slimer tattoo. So right, uh, pretty good times there. So some great music, some Team America World Police, and then uh, the path of getting the Slimer tattoo. Which is interesting because that was the first Ghostbusters tattoo I got. So, 
And I got a little I, banger, uh, little banger job of the logo for a Friday the Thirteenth thing, which the shop owner said he threw on there because of me. He follows me on Instagram. That's Tyler's brother's shop. So, um, kind of funny just seeing like the stuff you put in people's minds when they see what you're out there doing. So, what was uh, what was your first one? I only have one and a half, and by a half I mean I do have a portrait of Bill Murray on my forearm. But it is uh, from Stripes. But I didn't get it because I love Stripes. Obviously, I got it because I love Bill Murray. Although, I do love Stripes. I mean, let's be honest. Um, Stripes is amazing. I also just have the logo up on my uh, upper right arm where it would be under the patch. So I feel that. So... Ghostbusters Day got moved this year. They announced this week that it's going to be July 1st. So you may hear this before then, you may not, but they announced that they're going to be playing uh, the theater or the playing the Ghostbusters in theaters and drive-ins uh, in select areas starting July 1st for Ghostbusters Day. Supposedly there's a nine-minute clip ahead of the movie. Um, kind of see what that's all about. Hopefully some good stuff in there. I don't think we're going to get a second trailer yet. I just think it's way too early to release a second trailer for a movie that doesn't come out till March, assuming that they don't start delaying stuff again with the rate COVID's going right now. So yeah, I'm not going to put a lot of stuff into that, but I'm hoping we'll get some other cool stuff in there. Maybe we'll get, maybe we'll actually get Bill Murray to just sit in there and talk about it a little bit more because he's really seems nostalgia bound and, just for all his old stuff so especially ghostbusters i think he's at that point where he really appreciates it now so i think hopefully we'll get a chance to see maybe him in there talk a little bit for ghostbusters day which could be interesting nice i uh picked up uh today i went to walmart and picked up the uh top gun maverick toys that are appearing they're matchbox each one of them comes with five different vehicles. There's four cars, and each one also comes with a plane. The packaging on them is slightly different. I'll have to send you some photos, or I'll up some to our uh, podcast page. But uh, one of them looks like it's supposed to be like Maverick is maybe the pilot because it has like extra graphics on the box, a picture of a pilot version, and it says Maverick. Oh, okay. That makes sense. The other one doesn't say anything on it. And then I uh, hit up the Goodwill in town and cleared out the VHS section. Yeah, you called me uh, when you were there, and, like, the goods you found there were fucking unreal. It was like, holy shit. Are you sure that's not, like, a a store that's, like, Suncoast? It felt like you were in Suncoast Motion Picture Company when you called me and named off all the movies they had in there. Yeah, so I'm going to name a few of them off here. Um, I'm not going to stop and ramble about them all, but uh, I did get Jingle All the Way, Cool Runnings, Desperado, X-Men, Goldeneye, Scrooged, Flatliners, Lake Placid, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze, Ninja Turtles 3, The Mask, Armageddon, The Fast and the Furious, Deep Blue Sea, The Mummy and the Mummy Returns, Stand By Me, and Final Destination. That is quite the haul, sir. Yeah, it sounds like a bunch of tapes you'd fucking rent in, like, 1999. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, that sounds like this type of stuff we would get when we used to go up to Hastings. Remember Hastings by us? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, that place had like 49-cent rentals, man. They had all the good stuff there. Yeah, I miss that place. Don't we all? So I also hit the thrift stores up the other day, just looking around after I saw my kids on the weekend, and we, uh, well, it was just me. But I think I hit you up when I was out there, out and about on the town. Yeah. And I found a couple of things. Nothing really earth-shattering, but I found a brand new copy of Friday the 13th, Jason Takes Manhattan. And basically, I only bought that because you said that was one of your favorite uh, Friday the 13th movies. So I figured I'd get that so we can cover it on the podcast sometime, talk a little bit more in depth on it. I found Yeah, that the- one is uh, probably my favorite Friday the 13th, and that's because I don't take those movies seriously at all. Normally, like... You like the first one is is how it pretty much goes, or like you know Nightmare on Elm Street one and three are thought of as the best as well as New Nightmare, but eight is just so ridiculous, and I just enjoy the shit out of it because of that. So yeah, I also found the soundtrack for that thing you do on CD, so I picked that up because it's got some actually some decent tunes on there. Um, yeah, just and I actually I quite enjoyed that movie as a musician and just for the kind of sign of the times for what it was for that the time it came out and kind of the the throwback vibes that it had basically being an old pop rock band around the time of the, oh, uh, you know, the Beatles and the Monkees and all that kind of crap that was, uh, well, not crap all of it, you know what I mean? Every, everyone, everyone wanted to be the Beatles, so everyone tried Someone to take that just pop got sensibility. Triggered. I was going to say, I heard you like, like do that angry laugh. You're like, I'm going to fucking stab you. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't, like, literally, I, I don't know. Twelve years ago, I might have been a lot more pissed about that statement when I liked the Beatles a lot more. These days, I give way less of a fuck. I mean, I like them and stuff, but I can be not offended at all because, you know, John Lennon's kind of a piece of shit. Yeah, you kind of look at them as individual people, and you're like, yeah, they kind of... George Harrison was my favorite, retrospectively, so... But anyway, so, beyond that, uh, I found Wayne's World on VHS, so I picked that up. And it's a copy that uh, they sold at McDonald's. And I, I, I kind of forgot about that until I looked at the back of the box that, like, fast food places of all of all natures used to oh, yeah. randomly be able to sell you, like, extra shit that was like that, like promotional items. Um, and they don't really do that to the level they used to. Like, shit, man, like, let me order a fucking pizza and get, like, a special edition version of a fucking movie I like. Let's do that. Let's bring that shit back. I like it. Yeah, I really liked, I remember like, I don't know, I guess this was 12 years ago. I think I've said 12 years ago like three times on this podcast today already, but this was 12 years ago because it was when Dark Knight came out. But Pizza Hut had like a Dark Knight pizza, and it was fucking like just a bunch of extra pepperoni. But I was like, I want it. I want it because it's film tied in, and I want that. I want that box, and I want to eat that pizza while I watch Batman Begins and get ready to watch Dark Knight. Absolutely, you f- you forget out that like they used to have all that stuff. I Pizza remember, Hut was the best because they had the video game demos they'd send out with you for PlayStation. Uh, they had that plus all the silly shit they did in the early nineties. So I remember you yes, know they I'm, had the, the Land Before Time hand puppets you could get there at uh, Pizza Hut, and those were all the fucking rage when that movie came out. Before they made eight thousand sequels to it. Um, yeah, and then I remember one time I was over at a friend's house in like the sixth grade and. Um, my friend's mom like tried to embarrass the shit out of him, and she did, 
because I think it was around the time that Flipper movie came out. So she got us like little Flipper hand puppets with the pizza she ordered for dinner. And like he was oh, so fucking embarrassed. It was heroic. I was like, huh. At the time, I was like, okay, this is kind of weird. But then like later on, you look back and you're like, oh man, she was fucking trolling his ass so hard. It was amazing. <laughs> uh, it was good. So the other movie I got on VHS was uh, Caddyshack because, well, that's a fucking essential movie right there. Yep. It's a different version than the version I have. I have, like, a black clamshell version. Nice. Like, one of the smaller clamshells. Clamshells. Anytime I hear the word clamshells, like, you think the Disney movies, but I also think Flintstones, clamshells, you know, because they got clams for their currency. Oh, uh, yeah. Why, I don't know why clamshells triggers that, but it's uh, it's just one of those things, random associations you have with words. So I'm going to say some words and try to trigger you. So uh, you just listen up for a minute. I'm just kidding. We don't got we don't got that much going on for it. So before so, we uh, jump into movie reviews, what other movies besides like Independence Day? What are your go-to movies you watch around the Fourth of July, like to get you in that like summertime vibes? you know patriotic like i'm not super patriotic because i question everything i question a lot of authority i question everyone just being blindly patriotic but i mean i do appreciate what we have here so i'm not an asshole about it but i also realize the irony of us celebrating america by blowing up imported chinese fireworks yeah so i'll tell you um heavyweights Hell yeah. There's a big 4th of July scene there. Uh, They're doing fireworks and shit. It's a summer camp movie. If you haven't seen it, educate yourself. Um, Meatballs. Another summer camp movie. Bill Murray. Ivan Raymond. What what else do you want? Um, Jaws, obviously. I, I like to drink and watch Jaws around this time, and I'll do it whatever day I have to, but I prefer to do it either the July 3rd or the 4th, obviously, and then Independence Day, clearly. Excellent. Now, one I would throw on there is uh, the movie Sandlot. You know, they got the big baseball scene. Like, that kind of reminds you of the dog days of summer where it's hot, it's long. Um, yeah. Some people love it. Some people hate that movie. I like it because it's not just Who about... Who the fuck hates that movie? There's some people that don't like it, which, you know, they can fuck go... Fuck those people. They're not people listening to this podcast. Don't fuck them. You don't want to procreate with those type of people. You can. <laughs> you don't want that in your life. You don't need that negativity around. Uh, no, but I just love that movie. It's a, it's a fun movie. It's a good coming-of-age story. It's uh, entertaining in the ways that, like, you know, you see all the way they do these toys and try to get that... Uh, ball back and then of course James Earl Jones at the end just fucking steals the show man like he's so fucking powerful like in the way he tells those stories and laughs he's so genuine in there like that's to me him being in that movie really kind of fucking yeah somebody should have told the movie studio people that we didn't want some more uh, Sandlot movies after the first one I don't get like when they're trying like the Sandlot 2 like don't fucking call it the Sandlot 2 just use the same fucking idea and title it something else like you didn't put the budget into it you didn't put the writing into it it's just a fucking cheap cash grab for something you thought was a brand but there's (laughs) not really any fucking you know there's never sandlot toys in the store so your your rant just now sounded exactly like 
Ian Malcolm's rant in uh, <laughs> Jurassic Park. He's like, you, you you didn't earn the result yourself, so you took it, and now you're going to sell it. You're selling, you're selling it. it. You're selling it. <laughs> yes, get me a lunchbox to slap my hand on angrily, because I will. I would also say Jurassic Park's on there for me, right? Because it's kind of got, you know, you're in a tropical area, you're in the indoor, outdoor. Like, it always just reminds you of, like, you can just see, like, the exhaustion from, like, being out in the heat and being around those dinosaurs. It's just kind of one of those things you're like, yeah, that's American, uh, you know, ingenuity and basically a giant corporation being like, yeah, we're going to do this shit. I know, I know Hammond is isn't american but he's got the american spirit for capitalism so somebody posted uh, a meme the other day in one of the jurassic park meme groups on facebook and uh he was uh posting about dodson <laughs> and he spelled it dotson d-o-t-s-o-n and he was fucking getting roasted in that group like a fucking punk ass as he should hey so quite hilarious speaking of jurassic park so they have announced that the actor who played dodson in the first jurassic park is coming back for the new movie which everyone's probably like i don't think it's the actor yeah it is is it Uh uh-huh it's the same guy isn't that actor in jail i don't know they just announced that he was coming back i'm pretty sure they announced that his character was coming back and they put the picture with him Oh, because there's controversy on this. Even in um, Yes, Have Some, there's the group therapy I've seen posts about this because he, they've talked about it. That's how I learned about it is he was in jail for doing some fucking fucked up children shit or something, the actor. Oh, interesting. Well, the reason I was going to say, because most people are like, you know, Dotson is really insignificant. But if you read, if you've read either of the books, you realize like he plays a big part in the first book. And again, in the second book, he has a huge role in it, which obviously the movie adaptation doesn't have any of that because the last act goes to San Diego instead (laughs) of staying on the island. So, uh, Uh, I mean, yeah, let me let me be clear here. Dodson and whoever his employers are. Hiring Dennis Nedry, that is what fucks up Jurassic Park in that movie. So he's not insignificant by any means. If by insignificant you mean he has little screen time, that's a thing, but... Well, people don't realize, like, how much more there is to him in the other... in the books, right? If you've you've only seen the movies. So, and speaking of that scene, I did get my hands on one of the San Diego Comic-Con... stay-at-home con exclusives of the Dennis Nedry in the shaving cream can. So I was able to pre-order one of those. It was 20 minutes of their website basically crashing and being down, but I got it, so hopefully I'll be getting that in the mail soon. That'll be a pretty badass one to have. Yep, I missed it. I was sleeping. Yeah, I figured you were sleeping. Came on at like 10 in the morning and I was in, the, I was in a work meeting. I had to turn off the uh, the video so I could if something else dope happens like that, you need to text me. I did. Um, if I'm didn't not, I? I, don't I think I would think just so. have to call you because you don't fucking respond to texts if you're sleeping. Yeah, that's true. If there is something important like that, <clears throat> especially if it's need something like a, I'd want, you need like a fucking bat phone so I can actually get a hold of you. And I probably would have just ordered you one, but it was limit one per customer. So, right. 
Because either way, I could have sold it to somebody else. And when I buy more than one of something, I'm not trying to flip it and make money on it. That's asinine. I just give yeah. it to somebody that missed out on getting it and genuinely wanted it. For sure. So uh, you want to jump into talking about Independence Day? You know what I just watched? Me pulling a can off some moron steps. Return of the Jedi. Did you see Alien? When that uh, creature was in that guy's stomach? Oh my god. Oh my god. You ever seen that really old movie? Empire Strikes Back? Jesus, Tony. Welcome to Retro Release Review. So for... Independence Day, this is kind of a retro review. It doesn't fall into the normal category of another man's garbage because it's not another man's garbage. Um, it's rated well enough that it's not going to fall in that category, and it's not so bad it's still fucking awful because it's not awful. So I remember the hype leading up to this movie coming out in the summer and just being like, whoa, that movie looks so crazy and wild, like just seeing the trailers of it. You know, the special effects looked amazing. It looked over the top. It looked fun. So. Yeah. What are your first, how do you first remember Independence Day? I remember seeing it in theaters. And I specifically remember seeing it in theaters with you and dad. And I don't know if anyone else was there, but I know that it was us three at least. And I know mom wasn't there. So, I don't know, our sisters could have been there, but fuck them. They're not part of this. The important thing is that we were there. Exactly. And um, I remember being very enthusiastic towards the president's character. He was, like, my favorite character when we saw this. It came out in 96, you know, so I was five when we saw this. Yeah. And, I can see um, that. <clears throat> one fucked up thing I remember is that night we went home and they made like some sort of weird spicy chicken for dinner. And I, I don't remember that, but go on. Okay, listen, listen. I, I remember this very well for some bizarre reason. And uh, I did not want to eat it. I thought it was gross. And Dad was trying to get me to eat it by saying shit like, don't you remember the president ate ate almost this exact meal in the movie? You like him, don't you? You should eat it. Oh, God. He was manipulating the fuck out of you. That's so asinine. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, that didn't happen. He was like, yeah, you must have fallen asleep for a minute. It was fucking ridiculous. Uh, yeah, that's sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. We could get into our traumas, but no one's got time for that shit. <laughs> no. That's the extent of the trauma today. So I remember I had an Independence Day shirt I've mentioned on here before, but, you know, like had the poster on the front and on the back it said, Earth, take a good look. It might be your last. And, like, I've, I've looked for some of those on eBay because I actually literally fucking wore that shirt out. Like, I wore it till it got washed so much it was so thin, like, Mom just had to fucking throw it away. She's like, no, this shirt's trash. <laughs> you know, because it went beyond, like, the normal, like, aged well and, like, the screen printing on it cracked and stuff from being worn. It was, like, wearing holes in it. And uh, I wore that bitch out. But I remember, I, yeah. I think I got that going into seventh grade. And man, yeah, that thing was that thing was beat up. And I remember like being hyped up on Will Smith for this movie because, you know, like with the Men in Black era, like men, uh, Will Smith was all the fucking rage, man. Like he was just, you know, he was the summer blockbuster attraction at the time, right? So everyone's like, oh yeah, it's a Will Smith movie. It's gonna fucking kick ass. 
We're going to kick you in yeah. the nuts. It's going to be so cool. Definitely. And it was pretty damn awesome, man. You know, I got to say, like, uh, some of his one-liners in there, man, like, you know, now, like, I kind of, like, cringe when I hear some of those types of one-liners in new movie trailers. But at the time, like, as a young person, like, you just loved it. You eat that up. You're like, welcome to Earth. As he, you know. <laughs> and then he fucking punches and knocks out an alien. Like, what? Yeah. But it works because it's Will Smith. And you're like, all right, Will Smith can do that. Exactly. The Fresh Prince can do whatever the fuck he wants. Pretty much. And Carlton can go fuck right off. No, I'm just kidding. Carlton can go voice on extreme Ghostbusters. <laughs> Basically. So, so uh, I just remember, like, watching it, you know, and, like, I was really big into the X-Files and sci-fi in general at the time, right? Anything alien-related. I love like, X-Files, too. <laughs> huh. It's funny. Like, we're brothers or something. <laughs> no, I, no I, was, I was quoting uh, Independence Day. But, you yeah. know, the guy, uh, when he walks by, they zoom in and he's just, I love, I know, I love X-Files too, he says on the phone to some fucking oh, yeah. person complaining about their cable and shit. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Oh, which yeah, is I funny, because uh, in the X-Files movie, which came out, I think, two years after this, Mulder gets really drunk after he gets fired from the FBI, and he's like, goes out into the uh, alleyway to take a piss, and his pissing on the wall and right where he's pissing ab above it is a uh, independence day poster <laughs> oh that's awesome in the alleyway throwing some shade there at least just a nod to the sci-fi universe there pretty funny so i love how that movie opens up you know you kind of get this thing in there and you kind of see space and you're like oh this is kind of neat and then it starts shaking, and you get to see all the dust and debris go around, like, oh, Earth footsteps, and you get to see those, like, shake out of there, implying that, like, nothing's disturbed the surface of the moon since. Yeah. And then you get to see that guy, it's like, fucking cool. playing. He's, like, got a putting practice mat in there, and you're like, oh, God, so fucking 90s right there. You know, like, one of those putt mats that returned to you, like, it was in, like, the sharper image and everything else. Like, that was a hot item back then. Yeah. Everyone wanted to have those in the... 80s and 90s is like, oh, it'll pop your golf ball back to you. And this guy's on night shift, you know, so he's basically fucking around to stay awake. I love it. It's a great opening. Yeah, you got the uh, REM soundtrack going there. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, the the music on there actually fits the movie very well. It really for sets sure. the tone for it. You're like, it's an obvious one. Like, that's a totally obvious song for it. But for the time and the place, like, that was the right song for it, right? You couldn't have picked a better tune to put there. Yeah. I forgot so, how much um, I like the score to this movie, too. Like, the score. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's really good. It really has some good good emotional cues in there. I was um, doing some reading, and I read that the... Uh, so, a company called La La Land did a limited record release of the score, which I'm going to have to look up. Oh, hell yeah, that'd be sweet. But there's some liner notes on it, apparently, and the composer talks about how the drum rhythm during the invasion scenes is Morse code for die. That's fucking clever, considering they use Morse code in the movie at the end as part of the... Exactly. Like that. That's and awesome. And when President Whitmore asked the aliens, what is it you want us to do? Die. Through Oaken's voice. Die. It's fucking hilarious and shit. Oh yeah, no that movie's the the pacing on it's 
excellent. So I did watch the extended version for my viewing before this one, just because you'd mentioned a few things about it. And so I want to talk about that real quick. So uh, Russell's character and his family, um, I remember I read the book, and I think I had the book, the novelization, before the movie came out. So I remember having read it before I saw the movie, so there are certain things I was kind of expecting, you know, but visualizing how it actually happens... Or I was reading part of it. I think maybe I hadn't read the whole thing, but I just remember, you know, reading about Russell's family in the book a little bit, and there being some things that weren't actually in the movie that were a little bit more elaborate. And I feel like a lot of the extended cut evolves around that. And I think he has one yeah. of the most noble character arcs in the in the whole movie, you know, because he's this fuck up, but he's a family man. Um, you know, in the extended version, you find out, you know, that he like he'd lost his wife. And that his youngest son was on medicine and, you know, he's trying to talk to him like, hey, you know, your mom was on medicine like that, too. So there's there's some moments that make him a little more of a tender character that you more caring, nurturing and stuff that you, you see in the extended cut that's not in the regular cut. In the regular cut, you kind of get this bumbling idiot that's, um, you Randy know, he's, he, yeah, <laughs> he, he's likable. He's funny. And, you know, you do get to see him redeem himself and, like, you know, it's pretty impactful, like, when he's looking down and he realizes that his missile's, like, jammed and everyone's kind of disappointed right there. And then you got the big music cue that's, you know, kind of shows the disappointment. And then he's, like, looks down at the photo of his family he's got in the airplane and kind of makes that sacrifice and realizes what he's going to do. And I think that's a pretty powerful character arc for him. I really enjoyed that part of it. Um I definitely see why they cut that stuff out of the regular version, but the extended cut does build a little bit more on his character and makes you care even more about him when he uh, does sacrifice himself at the end. Yeah, so he's one of those um, things about the movie that's kind of open. Like, because he says he was abducted by aliens. Do you think he was abducted by aliens before they showed up? Let me reread the novelization. I'll get back to you. But I feel like he was because, you know, he's talking about it and he says, I'm back. And, right. Know, they, like, and conf- like when he says, I'm back, it gives you the clue of where he he's sane at that point. I think, you know, when he's yeah. about to kill himself, he knows what's up and everything. He's not been drinking. He thinks. Yes. I think that's where he's honest with himself. So, yeah. And I think that's they don't get into that too much. But that is something like you, I think you see him sober up enough, you know, that they need his help. So he's sober there. Um, But you also see like another glimmer there on the extended cut where as they're getting to Area 51 and they're starting to go down and they're taking the alien down, you see him roll by with the alien and Russell flips his shit. He's like, look, my son needs help. He's going to die. Like if you don't give him help, he's going to die. And he he grabs, I think, Dr. Oaken and Dr. Oaken, you know, sends somebody else down to go help his son. Which, mm-hmm. you know, kind of adds a little bit more stakes to his character there, but in the grand scheme of thing, doesn't necessarily fit that spot of the movie with the other tempo and pacing going on with it. Right. Um, but yeah, I totally, I totally 100% believe that that character would have been or had been abducted in that. By the time you see him sober up and go on there and make that decision to sacrifice himself and then that response that he has, it's it's definitely one of those things where like, yeah, he's... He's definitely coming back and getting his, I don't know if you'd call it his revenge, it's his sacrifice, however you want to look at that. But I think that was his way of 
paying back because I think that's really what fucked him up. And then between that and his wife's death, you know, which they don't really discuss. But I mean, I think those two events would clearly be the important parts of that character's arc that weren't discussed much, but kind of led him to where he was. So, um, a couple things about the effects in this movie. They hold up pretty well still. Most of them. There's a couple CGI bits here and there where you're like, alright, that's fucked. But, for the most part, it works. And you know why? This movie holds the record for most miniature models ever in one film. Yes, it's pretty crazy. Like, when you think about that, and like you think of every making of Star Wars you've seen, where they show all these miniatures and models, even from the first ones, and even the Death Star, it's got nothing on this. Yeah. And, and then you think about it, you're like, oh, well, I mean, that makes sense. All the buildings they blew up and everything, those are models mixed with CGI, mixed with slow motion explosions and all sorts of shit, you know, layering and stuff. But Oh, yeah, that movie is way ahead of its time because it did a good job of using practical effects as, as much as possible, compositing digital effects in there as well, and then using miniatures to kind of get realistic stuff in there, you know, and so I think it's... Some of the scenes where you see the fire tear down the street, right? Well, fire doesn't really travel that way. Um, and so when they were filming that, they're like, oh, we could do that in CGI, and it would you know, take all this time and money. And they're like, well, why don't we film it vertically? You know, Because fire will rise, and we'll put a camera at the top, and you know, just seeing some of the behind-the-scenes stuff. They did some pretty awesome things in there. And I know what, yeah. you, well, I know what you're talking about, because there's a few scenes where the CGI blue screen overlay some of the lighting on there isn't perfect with what happens from behind but that was any movie in the 90s but overall it really right. holds up i mean look at that and i was about to say the the creature and alien effects are fucking great so oh yeah those look absolutely amazing like the puppeteers they had in there and all the puppets they had for that and like how realistic and alive that thing looks they're oh, able yeah. to capture all that in there that's um, one of my favorite scenes in the movie still is when they're dissecting it and it comes alive. And it was one of my favorites when I was a kid, but it fucking scared the shit out of me every time. Oh, yeah. It, yeah, it was a definitely... It, it was a powerful scene, right? You know, there's those moments in there that you really feel like, oh, yeah, that is horrifying that this just this one creature's alive. And I think they do a good job in that movie of not, like, putting a bunch of aliens on the ground invading... Um, you know, you get just enough of them to know that they're like what they're like. They're organic. Um, yeah. you, you can kind of figure out, you know, you can defeat them, but their technology's better. So, um, the, for sure, one of the special effects things I loved in it, which you know they used to tout all the time, and I can't remember if this was something that would have been like on HBO or whatever when it came on TV. You know, when they do the making of and you know fill little time slots to get to those prime time, like at seven o'clock tonight, you know, they got to fill time somehow. So they'd put on like making of or behind the scene featurettes for movies. And yeah. I remember seeing this one and it must've been on TV then at the time, but you know how they're blowing up the white house and they make a one fourteenth scale model of the white house. And, you know, they talk about how they actually made it out of porcelain or plaster and porcelain and all that. And, did it piece by piece and like the way they broke it down they said like even they were amazed like how good it looked when they're you know shooting video of it and um filming it and you know just kind of seeing what it looked like when they zoomed in on it and seeing yeah. that thing blow up it looks like a real building it doesn't look like a miniature just blowing up i mean it feels like the real deal 
Right. If you look at the cover of the VHS and all that, that's the White House. Mm-hmm. Their version of the White House. Yeah, no, it's a uh, really well done. Um I guess uh so there's a <laughs> a classic scene with Harvey Fierstein. You know, the the classic scene where we always we always oh, quote yes. David David, why did I just send my mother to Atlanta? But yeah. when he's saying, uh, apparently there's a line that was overdubbed here, and I read about it before I heard it today, and I confirmed as an audio engineer, oh yeah, you can tell that that's dubbed. Which line is it? But it's the line where he says, eh, forget my lawyer. Uh, what did he Normally, say before? Eh, fuck my lawyer. Oh, fuck my lawyer. They should have kept that, but they prop- that prop one... I think for ratings. At the, yeah, at the time, I think you'd get one, one F-bomb per PG-13 rating. Which I don't know where there's another fuck in this movie, but... The, well, there may not have been in the 90s. They, they could have changed that rule, so who knows. Yeah, I don't know, but... That makes a lot of sense. I love his character, though, and so when we were out in L.A. for FanFest last year, the building that... Um, I always forget her name. Is that Vivica A. Fox that was the actress? Yeah. Yeah, so her character's stripper friend that's like gonna go up on the rooftop out there. She's like, Look, I made this sign. That building, um you know, we saw that when we got out to LA and it's just one of those happy accidents because it's like you can you get an amazing view of it driving into the Biltmore parking garage. And so after that we we're making quotes about it the whole time. Oh my god, David, David <laughs> And so we we're just quoting Independence Day like a bunch of crazy people. It was beautiful. Vivica A. Fox got the job on Kill Bill because of uh, Independence Day, is what I heard. Tarantino liked her performance in that. Uh, I could see that. She actually does a good job in there because, right, she shows a lot of humility in there, especially working with the first lady in the movie. Yeah. I mean, the acting in there holds up pretty well. Some of it's cheesy. Some of the Will Smith one-liners are cheesy, but you get away with it because it's Will Smith. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the fucking president's speech, President Whitmore's speech at the end is like, Jesus Christ, like, that's it's really fucking well done for what it is. Yeah. And then, you know, thinking about the current state of the world right now, you're just like, man, people need to watch this movie and just listen to that. Like, people just need to come together and stop being a bunch of assholes. Like, because that's what he's talking about. We're no longer just, you know, like, we're all uniting as, as people of Earth. And there's a, I don't know, that just gives you like that sparkle of hope that you're looking for in the world right now. So a pretty hopeful, good message in there, right? The odds may be against us or things may not be looking well, but there's still that hope. It's like in Ghostbusters too, like when they're trying to figure out something hopeful, something good, something decent, something pure. Anal sex? Uh, I don't know how pure that is, but I guess it depends on who you talk to. It's pure in the eyes of the Lord. (laughs) I mean, it's... uh, I'm sure it's in someone's Bible. No, it's pure if you're avoiding the other kind. The really no-no hole in God's eyes if you're not married, you know what I'm saying? Oh, it's the practice place. Exactly. It's like the batting cages instead of the actual baseball diamond. 
you could think of that way. Yeah, that's uh, well, that's weird. Anyway, we got off on a weird tangent there. Don't mind us. So what else? We is, don't uh, talk anywhere near as much anal as Kevin Smith's podcast, so we're okay. They're the number one anal podcast. Yeah, I think yeah, he's always talking about that. If you listen to his episode about Joel Schumacher and all the banging that was going on with Joel Schumacher's life, then <laughs> clearly you can't be offended by us if you listen to his. Oh yeah. So I like the spaceship designs in there, the alien ship designs. I think that's pretty sweet. I like how they um, brought Area 51 to there. Like, my friend Joel and I growing up, like, he was obsessed with Area 51. He loved that shit. Like, he had a map that, like, he marked out where he thought Area 51 was based on everything, mm-hmm. that, like, he'd done and researched, right? Keep in mind, this is, like, before the Internet really had easy access to that, and he didn't have Internet at home. Like, so if he did anything like that, it was at the library, but even then, there wasn't much on there. But his dad was also a map maker, so cartographer. That's amazing. So it was pretty cool to see, like, that he had that marked off and, like, very knowledgeable on the subject. So um, it's kind of fun to see that they put that in the movie. And I guess um, the United States government was pissed about that. So they were working with the United States government um, for some of the war-type scenes and the accuracy of the military stuff, right, which lots of times you'll consult with them on that. But... They wanted them to use a different name other than Area 51, and since they wouldn't compromise on that, that pissed the government off. So you're like, eh, just kind of reaffirms that it's there, everyone knows it, but it's going on. So, And then it was funny, because even in the movie, when Will Smith lands or crashes his plane and whoops E.T.'s ass, basically, says, I'm going to line him up here next to all y'all, and then Russell stops to find him, you need a ride, soldier? Yeah, he's like, no, there's a base. He's like, it's not on the map. Oh, trust me, I saw it when I was flying overhead. You know, kind of one of those things. Yeah, anyone that's been in the air over there kind of would have seen it, so. Trust me, it's there. Mm-hmm. But I love that whole sequence. Like, you get to go in there into Area 51, and the nice thing about the Area 51 is, like, they don't go, like, all with the crazy in and outs in there. Like, it looks like it's pretty regular besides some of the area where they're storing the aliens in the ship. Right, it looks just yeah. like normal government lab. So, I thought that fit pretty well with the theme for it, you know. Yep, and uh, I like those scenes. I don't know. That's such a good movie. And then, the, yeah, the alien, the alien puppet looks so good in those scenes. And then Doctor Oaken, like it took me forever to realize this, but you know, you ever just have those movie epiphanies where you're like, holy shit. Well, Dr. Oaken, you know, also played Data in Star Trek. And you're like, how the fuck did I not put two and two together on there? And then you're like, well, I guess he doesn't fucking look like himself. And he's more animated, you know. As a droid on Star Trek, he's very kind of robotic. Got that golden-looking makeup. Look like a wannabe C-3PO. Just kidding. He doesn't look that much like 3PO. But just kind of has that attitude. Yet in Independence Day, he's got this crazy beard and crazy long hair and you're like oh okay all right i can see that but it's just fun like seeing somebody play such a different character like that's a good actor right there right just to see that they can do something so different than what you're expecting that you don't even realize it's the same person (laughs) so what are your final thoughts on this movie before we uh move on Um, not many. 
uh, like the toy line. We had the toy line, a couple of things for the toy line as a kid, and I'm uh, recently I've been collecting that. So, so fun thing about that toy line. So we already talked about um, extreme Ghostbusters and like my dad like kind of making fun of me or whatever for buying uh, extreme Ghostbusters Egon, but he was less of a dick once he realized I was going to keep buying what I wanted anyway, and it was buying some uh, Independence Day toys. So I bought the uh, F-18 fighter jet, and I believe you had the alien vehicle, or yeah. I had or I had both of them or whatever, and we'd share and play with them, and then a bunch of the action figures as well. And those action figures are pretty cool at the time, especially, right, you know, they came with, like, their uh, flight helmets and all that stuff, and the accessories they had were pretty good, you know, and they always give you extra weapons that you don't ever see in the movie, like... Will Smith never fired a rocket launcher, but God damn it, he came with one. Yeah, exactly. And then, like, their battle armor, you're like, they never had armor like that either, but God damn it, he came with it. They're pretty dope figures, though. Oh, yeah. It's so. funny, because I keep, uh, a lot of people probably get a lot of toys from, like, Kenner in the mail, and it's bizarre, because I'm buying like both Trendmasters lines right now. I'm Trendmastersing it up. Oh, yeah, you're all about that Transmasters life, right? Which, they didn't have a lot of other lines. I, I think they did the Godzilla line, too. Didn't Transmasters do that as well? I believe so. Yeah, so they didn't do a lot. They're kind of a short-lived toy company, which maybe that explains why some of their stuff's more expensive, because I don't think they quite hit as wide releases as they could have. But yeah, the, the only one I've repurchased so far since we've been doing this podcast is uh, the Alien in the in the tube basically that you see down in area 51 um this is kind of like a later release toy in the line it didn't come with any of the mission discs and when i was younger i thought it was a sun coast exclusive because that's where i bought it when i was a kid i never saw it anywhere else so it may have been like a specialty shop exclusive um but you know had a little red light on so you could turn it on in there and then on the toy it comes with a little cardboard alien in there and then it came with a little wire bendable alien that you know you can put in or out of the tube which is pretty sweet obviously it doesn't hold yeah. water or anything but i just thought that was such a simple toy that's so cool to get some of those other other things in there that aren't necessarily like just for action you know like you can build get a couple of those and then you can build like a background or make the scene in there and like recreate those things those moments in the movie yeah i um today in the mail i literally today got in the mail a uh ultimate commander from the Trendmasters line and it says collector's series and has a different sticker and the writing's in yellow as opposed to white and the other figures it has mission disc number one and um yeah I, it's, I can't find much about it online like I don't know how limited it was or when it was released even on like the Independence Day fandom wiki there's like not a lot of information on it other than it was released here's a picture of it yeah, so if you Trend know Masters did it. Yeah, if you know anyone that worked for Trendmasters in the 90s or have any inside information on that, let us know because that's something we'd like to know more of because obviously Extreme Ghostbusters is pretty awesome. Independence Day is awesome. The 90s Godzilla movie was eh, whatever, but it's still a Trendmasters line and that's a kind of one of those toy companies I'd love to hear more about. But, man, yeah, you know, we, we played those a lot, man, especially those ships. Those ships are cool because I liked how the top of the alien ship would come off and you could put the little alien in there. Yeah, for sure. And the cool light up in there, like, right, it felt like you're in the alien spaceship. So, I mean, it was good. It was fun. 
Yeah, I'm going to be getting those eventually for sure. There's um some cool toys in that line. So The only thing that pisses me off about some of those toys then, and it just makes it difficult for collecting, is like battle damage shit. Um, because no one ever fucking has those parts, and if they do, they're like trying to overcharge you out the ass on eBay for them or wherever you find them, right? So the F-18 Hornet, I think one of the uh, tail fins comes off on there is like battle damage. I think the uh, alien ship had a few pieces that would come off for battle damage. And so they both shot missiles and shit too, so. Yeah, and so anytime you have that stuff, you know, it's, it's frustrating as a collector because people rarely have that, those parts. So you're like, oh. Speaking of missing parts, I just got the Extreme Ghostbusters Ecto-1 in the mail last week also since we recorded the last podcast. I'm only missing three of those pieces on it. I don't even necessarily care enough to get those three pieces. If I see them, I might pick them up. But the fact is, I got that thing for about $70 shipped. And that's a hell of a deal, uh, considering a lot of those are going for easily over 100 120 plus shipping on some of them. And they're less complete than mine. So it's pretty crazy. I'm happy about that. I had that one as a kid, and... I was always kind of like, recently, in the last couple months, how I've been spending a lot of time on eBay, I've been lusting after one, and just kind of thinking, oh, one day I'm going to get one. But I I just nonchalantly bid on one when it was $55. I think it was like $10 shipping. I ended up getting it for like 60 bucks with $10 shipping or something like that, so. That's awesome. Hell yes. So back to the Independence Day toy line, so there's... There's some awesome stuff in there, like, right? And just getting on eBay looking at it, like, you have no idea, right? You know, so you're like, you're looking at the mission discs, and obviously, like, you know, we got to spend some money, but we didn't get to go hog wild with anything. So, um, you know, we never had all the mission discs or anything like that. So there's still quite a bit of the line we never had, but we had enough to have fun yeah. with it. You know, I think I had one of the aliens, you had one of the aliens, and we had most of the figures, but we didn't get, like, all the aliens. Like, I think that was, like, oh. Our parents well, were some smart of those aliens, her. too, I remember us, I remember seeing the red one in stores, the white one and the blue one. I think that's about it. The shock trooper and the weapons expert, which is the red one, I don't even know if those are on the back of the boxes. Ah, uh, okay. The back of the box, I'll have to take a picture of and send it to you. Yeah, because I wonder if those ones came with mission discs, right? They may have expanded the line with just some repaints because that would be an easy way to do it. They did come with mission discs, which is what's weird. They still could have been rarer. Oh, yeah, that's true. Because on, I think, the backs of those, some of the mission discs have, like, question marks over them instead of, like, a picture. Like, it should, you know, displays it displays what's on some of the mission discs on the back of the box. The card, whatever. Oh, okay. And, uh... And, uh... So, on the, on the Ultimate Commander I got, all there's no question marks. All of them are pictures. Nice. So, so interesting. The other thing I realized, like, you know, they had all these play sets that were... I'm not sure what scale they are, because I, I don't recall ever seeing them in person, right? I remember seeing some of the planes in there, and, like, I think you mentioned that they made a a desert camouflage version of the F-18 Hornet that supposedly came with, like, the president, or that was his jet, you know, that he flew, compared to the version yeah. I got, which is supposed to be the one that Will Smith flew, even though the the figures weren't, like, detailed or painted very well in the in the smaller um, 
and the smaller scale size for those for yeah. those toys. But then it even had a, even smaller scale stuff that was you know like little city battle scenes, right? So they had a few of those, and I had no idea they made those until seeing those. And they almost looked like I don't know if they'd be like Matchbox scale or more Micro Machine scale, but you know um, a pretty decent size set city place play sets. So that was kind of neat yeah. seeing those. And then they have the big play set that's kind of like cardboard and it comes with a bunch of army tanks and like different stuff like that and as well as a bunch of alien little ships and stuff and i think that's a slightly different scale than those play sets the little ones yeah i think it is and it's interesting just looking back and seeing that you know because you go to the store now and you like you see incomplete toy series or incomplete series lines and I mean, I guess I never, I don't recall ever looking for the Independence Day stuff at like a Toys R Us where they probably would have had more space to carry the whole line. But, you know, I remember, I specifically remember buying the F-18 at the uh, Walmart in Olathe as a kid. I remember, I think, I think we both got one of those. I think that was the day you got the uh, the alien ship and I got the F-18 Hornet. So, uh, yeah, pretty cool. But, you know, you just see like how much of a line's not there. And so then when you run into issues finding stuff in the stores now, you're like, man, that's been an ongoing problem dates For back sure. to the old-fashioned times <laughs> toys hey kids alec here with the frog brothers podcast reminding you to check out our youtube where we have exclusive mail time videos featuring collectibles toys comics vhs rare dvds shirts pins and more be sure to hit subscribe Hit us up on Facebook and Instagram to see live unboxing videos and daily updates. You can find all of our podcast episodes up on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most places where podcasts are available. Keep an eye out for merchandise in the future. And remember, Second Shelf is mine. That's where I keep my root beers and double-thick Oreo cookies. Nobody touches the Second Shelf but me. So our top five for this week is movies with an alien encounter on Earth. So we talked about different ways to do it. I didn't want to just do aliens because that's so broad. I could never just name a top five movies with aliens in it. Um, I didn't want to do top five invasion movies. I just wanted to say top five movies with alien encounters on Earth. So what's your number five, Alec? All right, this was a fucking ridiculous ass list. I probably wrote down like thirty fucking movies and had to narrow it down to five. So, yeah, I feel you. I wrote down like a giant list, and I'm like, okay, what actually goes on this list? Yeah. So uh, number five is a '90s movie starring Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones called Men in Black. Oh shit! You copied mine. (laughs) <laughs> that's your number five? Yeah, that's my number five. Yeah, so, you know, Men in Black is obviously fucking dope. I remember we watched that. Watched it a bunch. I remember watching it in uh, the basement when we shared a bedroom. Yep. 
Yeah, I remember seeing that in theaters. I remember having a one of the toy guns for that, like the role-playing weapons that came with uh, that little alien that was inside the guy's head, you know, controlling that human body, that little alien. The ambassador or whatever he is. Yeah, a, a is. toy of him. He came inside the gun that I had, right? And so, like, he had this little compartment. He'd sit inside this gun, which is so strange, considering it was supposed to be an Emmett. A uh, men in black gun, but that had yeah. a cool role play toy line, and yeah, that's uh that's my number five as well. That movie's really fun. The first one's great, right? It's it's yeah, so it still different. Holds up well, yeah, and it's to me it kind of has that same vibe of Ghostbusters in some aspects, right? There's things about that movie that are like that. The nostalgia is a little different for me for it, you know. Like I'm not like oh man, I just absolutely love that and go back to it all the time. But I do enjoy it quite a bit, and it's fun to watch from time to time. Yeah, I definitely agree. So what's your number four? My number four is a 90s movie starring Will Smith. Oh, shit. Titled Independence Day. Okay. Uh, 1996, directed by Roland Emmerich. We just got finished talking about this. Obviously, it's a fucking sick movie. I don't need to say much more about it. Nope, enough said. So my number four is Coneheads. <laughs> it's a fun movie, man. It's actually really, it's really well done. The skits are like were really silly on TV, and I remember seeing a couple of those as being like a really little kid. But when they made the Conehead movies in the '90s, it was it's just a bizarre, silly, funny movie, and yeah, um, I love it. It's good. Yeah, Coneheads is good. Chris Farley's in there, you know, kind of playing the love interest of Beldar's daughter. Therefore, you must narsle the Garthak. Oh, yeah. And I love it. Like, as a kid, you don't even get some of the jokes. Like, as a kid, like, they're chewing on condoms and blowing up condoms and, like, some chewing gum. And you're like, oh, that's a red red condom. And I don't know how they would have chewed that with their their teeth they have, but, you know, whatever. So. (laughs) Ah, sensor rings. That did make it on my honorable mentions because nice. it was on my list when I was making it. No, I put that one in there, man, because that one's. I needed something silly and funny that I could watch anytime too, and that's silly and it's funny. So, <sighs> so what's your number, number three? Three is a movie from the early two thousands, starring uh, Mel Gibson, Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, Macaulay Culkin's little brother, Abigail Breslin, some other random people. Okay. Signs. Uh, signs, yeah. Directed by M. Night Shyamalan. 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 Yeah. Signs is underrated, if you ask me. Um, it's a very tension-building movie. It's It feels like a Spielberg movie turned on its side. Yeah, I could definitely see that. The thing I love about that movie is it's so small in scale for a lot of it, right? A lot of it kind of takes place in just that one house and yeah. and how everything is in there and the way it builds up. There's good character development. You feel for the characters. And it's not just over the top about the alien invasion, right? You get enough of it just to build tension and fear to kind of have the finale of the movie, but it's not like so over the top and crazy that... You know, you're just surrounded by aliens all the time. Yeah. I um I remember seeing it 
probably around the time it came out on video because I think somebody rented it in our family and I watched it and it scared me then a lot because there's some pretty interesting scenes but there's also really interesting scenes because you know Mel Gibson is uh, a fucking you know he used to be a father or a pastor or whatever the hell he is I don't know how that shit works but people call him father so he used to be employed in the church but he's not anymore because his wife died in an accident and they kind of play that out throughout the movie building up emotional tension and how there's this weird shit how, you know, oh, maybe God is real because uh, she the weird last word she said helped us defeat the aliens or whatever, but kind of not really, but it's interesting and fun. Yeah, I no, like Joaquin Phoenix in it. Yeah, I think that was the first movie I recall ever really seeing him in and, like, starting to be familiar with him, right? And he, he does a great job in it. Um, yeah. And to your point, like, the religious aspect of that movie, I'm not big on religion myself at all, and the way they do that in that movie it's interesting to me, right? I find that part fascinating because it's well done and yeah. it's, it's kind of very existential in itself with um, the way that part of the movie carries out, right? And is that fate? Is that coincidence? Whatever that looks like to you, whatever you believe in. Um, it, yeah, and it's, that's, it's that interesting in and well done. Yeah. And it's not done in an asinine way to like force it down your throat. It's just like done in a way that like you could almost interpret that no matter what your belief system is. Um, and exactly. it's just, it just a way to give you hope, I think, is kind of what you get out of that. So, Yeah, I like the when he's like, basically, Joaquin Phoenix asks him to comfort him. And then he goes on that long speech about, there's two types of people who see these lights out there right now, you know. Those who think those lights are a miracle, and, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then he explains the difference in all this shit. And he's like, which type are you? And, you know, Joaquin Phoenix is like, oh, I think it's good. Which type are you? And he's like, are you comforted? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, D- then it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's important stuff right there, I think, right? You get that point across that way. Yeah. What's your number three? My number three is The Arrival with Charlie Sheen. It's kind of an underrated 90s alien movie. Um, I love it, though. It's so good. Caught watching this at my aunt Anne's house like several times. You know, I think she had it on video or something like that, or maybe I saw it the first time when I was up there. But yeah, it was. It's a fun movie. Um, Charlie Sheen plays, you know, a character, and it's not like a funny movie, which is is a little different for him, right? You know, because he has funny moments, but he's more of a serious role in this movie. Um, yeah, the special effects are pretty decent. Um, I just bought this recently so I could rewatch it just because I like it enough. I'm like, oh man, that's a movie I always think back of and like I want to watch, but I just haven't gotten around to it. But I, anytime I'm thinking about like alien movies, it always comes up to my head. You know, it's like it, it's one of those that just pops in there. So here's something interesting. Recently, I've discovered this movie again, and I haven't watched it yet. I'm going to very soon because. For years, I couldn't tell what this was. But correct me if I'm wrong. Is at some point Charlie Sheen naked on a satellite dish in this movie? Yes. This is exactly the movie I'm thinking about that I have not seen since I was probably five, six, or seven years old. And because of how Charlie Sheen looks in this movie, and because I didn't know who Charlie Sheen was when I was a kid up until... Fuck, I don't know at least my mid to late teens. Um, 
I thought that was Dean Cain in that movie. So I could never fucking find that movie until like last year. I never knew what that movie was because every time I would try to search for it, I never could find... I would be like, Naked Man on a satellite dish, and it would be like, Cable Guy? And I'm like, there's no Naked Man on that. Nope. Yeah, no, I I think that's actually a good point. Um, I could see why you would think that that's Dean Cain, like, right? Because Charlie Sheen doesn't look like normal Charlie Sheen in this movie, just the way his character is and the way he dresses and everything. Um, Yeah. I do like the alien design in this movie as well, too. Like, you know, they have legs that bend backwards. Um, And so, like, they're walking around as humans, and then, like, I remember Charlie Sheen seeing them, like, kind of get down to this lower underground area, and their, their, their legs are bending backwards, and, like, he freaks out seeing that. And there's, like, a moment where he's trying to hide that he's sweating because it's really hot underground where they go down in Mexico once he figures all this shit out. And, you know, he's, like, trying to sweat and, like, trying to hide it, so it's pretty interesting to see that. Um, You know, I think, you know, he's trying not to get caught, but basically, you know, that adds a lot of tension to to the film there. So it's a a fun one there. Definitely check it out if you haven't seen it or revisit it if you haven't watched it in a while. Gotcha. Well, number two? my number two, my number two is uh, a Spielberg film. Well, there's a couple of Spielberg movies with aliens, so. Yeah, I know. Uh, this one's my favorite, though. It has Richard Dreyfuss in it, and it's called Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Very nice. I love this fucking movie. I didn't watch it until I was an adult. It just always slipped past me. And, uh... Yeah, I love it. I can see why some people would like E.T. more. Especially nostalgically. Yeah. But I don't even have a bunch of memories watching E.T. Like, literally, right now, I couldn't tell you the whole plot of E.T. or anything. Other than E.T. lands there and he, like, hangs out with some humans for a while and then the government's after him and he has to leave. That's about all I can tell you. Maybe some bit about some Reese's Pieces, that's it. Yeah, I, I kind of get but, that. It, it's hazy, like... And it all depends on what movies you had growing up, too, right? You know, VHS used to be really expensive, so, like, if you didn't tape something on TV, you know, and, and when you're young, like, you know, if your parents aren't taping it, they're not really going to do anything. Like, we had Ghostbusters 2 taped, but, you know, like, E.T., we didn't have tape, so it was like, you either watched it when you went to a friend's house or someone that actually did have it. So well, this is funny, because we did have E.T. growing up. Oh, we did? On VHS, yes. Do you have the copy of that? No. I have a copy now, but it is the copy, I don't know if you remember, the little part on the uh, tape that moves, you know, that you can lift up and see the tape on? Uh Uh-huh. was colored green on that tape. Interesting. No, I I I bought a new copy recently at Goodwill, and it was the same way, and I was like, huh. That's glorious. No, I had no idea that we had that because I don't. I don't remember watching that growing up very much at all. I remember watching it maybe two exactly. or three times. Hmm. That's what I mean. But Close Encounters. That's really what's my number two. So I love it. I love Richard Dreyfuss, Steven Spielberg. It's what he did after Jaws. Uh, terrific movie. I love everything about it. Well, my number two is Independence Day, and we already talked about that. Makes sense. So, uh, what's your number one, then? Number one? Number one. By John Carpenter, The Thing. Nice, okay. It's a good choice. The Thing by John Carpenter, uh... 
there's not a better that's that might be you know it's in my top five horror movies for sure it probably isn't my favorite necessarily but it would it's fucking hard to say that it's not also uh i love the thing everything about that movie kurt russell in that movie is amazing the score is amazing the whole plot the thing the thing about aliens i like about it is that there's no just boring ass bipedal alien walking around doing boring shit it's like a whole new concept of what an alien would be kind of like the blob is and stuff you know yeah i think that's the fucking thing makes that yeah it makes that movie stand out because it's like adapting right you know it's trying to adapt to a new environment and try to trick people and stuff so it's not so like hey we're just gonna have an alien and they're trying to fight it um you know considering i would definitely say that alien influenced that to not do that right um you had an iconic character design there and then you know you get the thing and you're like oh okay i see that definitely understand why that's on your number one there I, i love that movie it's great yep but my number one is uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Mm-hmm. Um, just, a, you know, it's a good movie, right? It builds up a lot of tension, a lot of stuff. Um, as a kid, there's some truly terrifying moments in there. You know, some of the scenes that were, like, shot at night, and they're, like, driving down the roads, and some of those things like that, they get some good scare vibes to you. Um, yeah. You know, watching that as an adult, you definitely get the real vibes of, like, the family isolation once he becomes obsessed with everything and trying to figure out what this is, you know, especially yeah. Devil's Tower. Um, so fun fact on our, we did a, like a big family, you know, we did our, our Clark Griswold family vacation one summer. And I think I was in the fourth grade at the time, so you would have been pretty damn little, but. <clears throat> Are you talking about when we went to Disney World? No, talking about when we did a two-week camping trip. Oh, yeah, I would have fucking, I don't remember that shit at all, Yeah. So. Well, uh, we went and saw Devil's Tower amongst many other national monuments and national parks and stuff on that trip. And uh, it was badass because the campground we stayed at near Devil's Tower actually played Close Encounters of the Third Kind like on an outdoor screen there every night for campers. It's pretty fucking cool. That's fucking sick, and I wish I remembered that. My God. Yeah, so that's something like me and you have talked about road tripping, doing some things, and that's not super far from here. So that's definitely something I would like to see if any place is still doing that if not just going up there and like camping out somewhere and being able to watch that's in wyoming or something uh well you'd have to look it up exactly i don't remember where it's at i don't even remember ever going there the fact that you just told me there is how i learned that i went there (laughs) yeah you've been there (laughs) if you had asked me yesterday i would have said no i've never been there So, honorable mentions for these movies. I just literally have Coneheads, The Faculty. Have you seen The Faculty? Oh, yeah. That that came out when I was in junior high. That was a big one there because it's like the alien teachers. Yeah. Little Shop of Horrors and Rocky Horror Picture Show are both aliens. You have transsexual aliens in Rocky Horror. And you have uh, The Plant is from Outer Space in Little Shop of Horrors. Yep. Uh, they lived District 9, E.T., The Abyss, Contact, Mars Attacks, Evolution, Fifth Element, It, 
Power Rangers the movie, Space Jam, Project Alf, Super 8, and the X-Files movie. <laughs> yeah, see, some other ones that I was thinking of that came to mind. Um, obviously, the Predator movie, the first Predator movie is a fucking amazing alien movie, right? And it's on Earth. That's great. The second one's good, too. Yeah. Um, Cloverfield, uh, Fire in the Sky, the Travis Walton story. I remember seeing that as a kid and fucking being terrified of that movie. Saw it for one of my friend's birthdays, nice. and like we were all we were all pretty little for seeing that movie when that came out, and it was like, what the fuck, you know? It's about a guy getting abducted by aliens, and so a funny story. So when I think of that movie, <clears throat> I always imagine like that's the kind of fucked up shit Russell went through when you're watching Independence Day. So when he says he's been abducted by aliens, if you've seen Fire in the Sky, you're like, that's some fucked up stuff. There's some good nightmare fuel in that movie, especially as a little kid. It's amazing. Which also was had like had precursor X File vibes. There's a lot of that kind of stuff that carries over from that. So, and that's based on a supposed true story. So, um, and then trying to think of what else I had on here. Uh, oh, Mars Attacks obviously is one that's on. You know that's funny. Critters, Howard the Duck, Suburban Mars Commando. Attacks yeah, shared the same uh, set. For the White House's Independence Day, the interior. <laughs> oh, really? That's badass. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of movies with alien encounters on Earth, and I think those are pretty fun. So we got a pretty good top I was five say, in there. That's that's just coming to the top of my head. I'm literally looking at my DVD rack right now, and I could name like 20 more, like Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Oh yeah. Bad taste. Yeah, and see, when, I mean, we could have made this more specific and said, okay, with an invasion, without an invasion, like, is it a horror movie also? Is it a sci-fi movie? Is it a sci-fi horror? Like, what categories it fall into? But kept it pretty broad. Yeah. You know, and a good mix of scary and fun, trying to mix that, because, like, if we just did horror movies about aliens, like, that, that could be an amazing list as well. True. All on its own, and completely, completely valid for different reasons, obviously, so... This movie is so bad. 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 It's still pretty fucking awful. All right, so some prior probably in 2012 or 2013. Someone decided it would be a good idea to make an Independence Day sequel. And that's uh, Independence Day Resurgence. And we're going to be talking about that on So Bad, It's Still Pretty Fucking Awful. So, uh... So I rewatched I this. I we don't talk about this for too long, because, my God, this was a hard watch for me. Yes. It was... <laughs> I will tell you right now, the final act of this movie is complete trash. The first two-thirds of it, there's moments where if you'd shaved off maybe 25 minutes of bullshit, it could have been pretty fun. Because there's, yeah. there's some new ideas on there, but it's also like a fucking hot pile of dog shit on a hot day. Much. Or like walking out by a hot dumpster of a fast food place on a day where it's like 100 degrees, and it just like fucking smells, and it's just rubbish. And you got to get away yeah, from it. But then, because you do a podcast, you pull up a chair and you watch it for two hours. Yes. <laughs> so, I have this movie on Blu-ray because it was on uh, clearance at for $2 for the Blu-ray at Zia Records. 
that's what the price tag still says on it. It's hilarious. Yeah, I had nobody to, wanted this trifling shit. I had to buy a, a used copy on Blu-ray, and the digital copy was still good. So if anyone wants a free copy of Independence Day Resurgence on Blu-ray, let me know. I'll uh, I'll hook you up. <laughs> I'm serious. That'll be an offer that's still there. It's still, <laughs> yeah. Like, so basically, what it's you're saying never going to be redeemed. <laughs> you might be able to find it at your local Goodwill here soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this movie, um, it really missed the mark in so many areas. Just not having Will Smith in it, I think, kind of fucked it up. Um, and trying to introduce yep. a new, younger generation to it was hit or miss. Like, there's moments where, like, yeah, you see the you see Whitmore's daughter has grown up, and, like, she's a politician or working for a politician in the White House. And then, you know, she's been a pilot, too. So, I don't know. I just, I, I would have much prefer it to be without the younger generation and nothing against yeah. them and like not you know not that i'm opposed to passing the torch but i just think there's a much more interesting story to tell that they just kind of scratch the surface on like right like you see how fucked up oaken gets and like he's in a coma for you know they say like seven thousand days or basically however many years it's been 20 years is what they say right um and then President Whitmore having those issues there, you know, because, like, the alien touched um, touched Oaken, so you kind of get that vibe that, you know, that's what happened to him, you know, and caused that. And and just the PTSD that Whitmore would have from all this, like, losing his wife and, and mass destruction. Yeah, he's telepathically linked to the alien still, so is Dr. Oaken, as well as the new character that I actually didn't mind was the... Uh, I can't even remember his name. The he's what is he? South African? He's African somehow, but yeah, and he's in Africa. And so there were some interesting parts too. That is one of the parts I did like about the movie, where they say, you know, this one, this ship actually landed before you know they all crashed. And yeah, he's an interesting character. And early on, you you know, he teaches you, you know, that you have to stab these things. You know, you attack them from behind. You know, because how are you successful? Yeah. Um, because they imply that there's a, a bunch of ground battles, too, after some of these ships crash, right? Obviously, some of those aliens would have survived. Um, you, you see that there's a penitentiary with where they're holding alien survivors, which I don't know why they would have kept any of those alive. That doesn't, you know, that seems kind of crazy. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess that is, if you look at how humans really are, there are assholes out there that would be like, oh, yeah, we should keep a bunch of those alive like in a zoo. And if you have yeah. a hostile species like that, that's fucking ignorant, but... Oh, well. Um, I did like some of the stuff where they had the technology, you know and saying? Like, we were able to use their technology and get ahead. But the stakes just never felt amazing. You're, you know, they're like, yeah, we're, we've achieved world peace. But then they kind of contradict that because they're like, well, this guy in Africa, there's a warlord and never lets anybody in there. And his dad passed away and then his son took over and now he's letting people in there. There's... There's things that contradict yeah. what they're trying to tell in the story there. Um, the poor man's Hemsworth. I, I didn't care for him at all in this movie. He's Yeah, the great value Hemsworth. Yeah, pretty much. I can't believe it's not Hemsworth. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's pretty... Yeah, I don't like any of the new characters except for the African guy. He was uh, very interesting, though. Yeah, he, he's interesting. Um the lady that's arguing with uh, Levinson is kind of interesting. 
Like, she doesn't add a lot because you never really get to know her enough to care about why she's feuding with him. Which yeah. I, I think some of this just lacks the character development from the beginning, right? Because they just assume mm-hmm. that you can pick up, oh, this is a family member of such and such, or this person is that. And it's, you don't get those little moments of character development that you got in the first movie. Um, and the other thing is, is this Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy orb, you know, that comes there and they fucking blow up and they're like, oh, I'm an artificial intelligence, I can save your world. And, you know, from whatever they call those aliens, I think they called them, uh, Graboids. <laughs> yeah, basically Graboid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, all you need to do is get a hold of Kevin Bacon. That's how we defeat the aliens. But that's how it ended, right? I don't know. I stopped paying attention. Like, Yeah. So there's some things in this movie, though, that were fucking just repeats of the first movie, which is annoying. I fucking hate when sequels do that. Right, like so, when Whitmore goes down in there and goes in the room so the alien can speak through him because he saw it happen to Oak, and so he goes in there on purpose and lets the alien do that to him. Yeah, like to me that was pretty silly. It was like, eh, I didn't really need any of that. That was stupid. Um, yeah, they did that, and then they did the. Oh look, it's two pilots having to go do a thing in the mothership. Yep. Now I did like the the alien setting a trap for them in there. The thing I hated about this one was, like, why is there a giant queen alien now that's going to get down and fight and has her own shield? Yeah, that was retarded, but it looked cool for, like, uh, you know, it was mildly entertaining for a second. Like, oh, that's kind of cool just to see a big alien. But then, like you said, it's also really fucking dumb. So. Well, let's put it this way. When I watched it in the movie theaters, it's fun because it's giant, big screen. The special effects look decent. The sound sounds good. So you're having fun in the moment, but then you like realize like how fucking empty it is. You're like, why is this here? And what's this other thing going back? I kept thinking of like Guardians of the Galaxy two, the orb design that um, Ego drives around in, and then Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy with the, the ship in there. Like it just felt like uh, it just felt like a hodgepodge of yeah. stuff that was mixed in there. And like I think you could have made a really good sequel to Independence Day. They just didn't do it. They chose not to. They wanted to make two. Yeah, well, it's a good thing they didn't get the third one out because they said there's more of these ships out there, which was weird to me yeah. because, you know, they said they sent a distress signal. Um, and then you find out they're trying to, like, drill down to the Earth's core. So, like, they put this, they put the stakes on there. Like, well, how do you change the stakes after in the first movie you blow up all these major cities and kill all these people, right? So, yeah. so they lacked a way to make that interesting. Um, so they're, they're going to drill down to the earth's core. Like, uh, okay. Like, so you don't really care because you're like, if you get down to the earth's core, right, there's things that they didn't stop to think about, right? It always goes back to Ian Malcolm. You know, you're so preoccupied. If you could make a sequel you didn't stop to think if you should, like if the earth's core is that hot, what are you going to be able to drill down there with and extract anything from? Right. Explain that to me. Like there's some things in there. It's like, I need to know the, I need to know enough about the technology to be invested in why like I should give a shit about that and they don't they don't give me a reason to give a shit about anything and they make this they make this fake tension with uh, Hitler's son and then you know they bring back Vivica A. Fox just to kill her off right which felt like a fucking waste of her character right I felt like yeah I would have been way more interested in seeing like what happened to these people in the long run right right she's a nurse now okay 
well, that's pretty fucking cool. How did she go become a nurse? Like, what inspired her character development there, right? And you could have the kids in there, too, and have them be in the movie, but I just didn't care about those characters. Like, there wasn't anything about those characters that I felt I needed to know or see. Right. Yeah, just bland. You know, and then they go back and they try to throw this thing about the symbols on there, the alien symbols that are written on there. Oh, these were clear back on Roswell. Okay, and now they're here and there, whatever else. And, you know, the uh, African warlord has figured it out. You know, they've been able to translate some of that out of necessity because they obviously had a bunch of aliens alive down there that they probably didn't have and elsewhere where some of those ships crashed. And then, of course, you get Whitmore sacrificing himself, and you're like, okay... Um, another beat from the first movie yeah exactly like the sacrifice there and that doesn't feel as genuine the thing I didn't like about that right is like they made him shave his beard off to go like fly this plane you're like who gives a shit like you don't need to shave your beard off to say that you're not crazy anymore like just who gives a shit right just go do it because you want to do it you know it felt like the scene in the room when Mark comes in and he doesn't have a beard anymore pretty much yes yeah it's pointless it doesn't do anything for the story development aside from the fact that maybe you could say okay in the air force you can't do that because you have your air your breathing mask okay that's fine but you know they make it this big deal where he like shaves it off and you're like oh whatever it seems it's right it doesn't have the emotional impact that it could and then he got got rid of his dick tickler (laughs) yeah exactly so I don't know, there's, there's like, the thing that pisses me off, though, there's, like, there's enough glimmers of stuff in there that have potential that you're like, man, what the hell did you guys do wrong? So, and I think there's a few more Independence Day books out there that I don't have. Um, I know there are some sequel books that came out, like, right away that kind of talk about the war on Earth afterwards, right? And that would have been an interesting take, too. How did you fight off all these aliens that crashed or survived the invasion, Right, and how did you how did you handle all that? Yeah. I mean, I think that would have been a better take on it than just being like, hey, we're going to bring more aliens in. Like, I get that, yeah, they don't, but the way they set that first movie up, they try to retcon this movie so hard. You know, they try to say that this entire alien species is coming here to take over the planet because that's the only way they can survive because they, you know, use resources that way. Yet in this one, you find yeah. out that they're doing that all over the all over the galaxy, and it took them twenty years to get there. Which that part doesn't bother me so much because, like in in theory, like with Roswell, you know, the aliens scouting, like you could say, okay, you know, they scouted in the fifties and they didn't get here till the nineties, whatever. You could see some of that stuff or whatever, right? Right, taking time to get across space, so that doesn't bother me so much. But like, oh, there's a distress signal in here. They just retconned so much of it that it was just like. Don't even care. Like, even Goldblum, you could tell, was like, he tried. There's moments, like, where he's really trying. And, like, even, I think he was bored with it himself. And, like, that comes across, which sucks, because he's amazing. And it's typical of Goldblum in sequels, where in the first movie, he's very eccentric, very fun. And then in a sequel, he's just basically kind of who he is naturally as a person. And Yeah. uh, I think they underutilized him in there. Like, I liked what they did with his character having grown and, you know, become important in there, but it didn't feel like... I don't know why they had to make the president become, like, this crazy old nut job. 
No, I don't know. I mean, other than the fact that he was telepathically linked to the aliens, that's it. Yeah. But uh, it didn't make the African guy go nuts, so. No, and the thing that, you know, they said that those aliens had been dormant or whatever for like 20 years. So they're keeping them in cages alive, even though they're dormant. You know, and then they're, you know, they come back alive or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, like, they don't explain that. Like, Oaken was in a, a coma. Was the president in a coma for 20 years? No, because, like, they don't ever have that conversation. So it's just inconsistent with it, right? just feels like lazy writing. Like, people are so focused on, like, how do we wrap this up and get through it that they don't... They never made me care about what the characters are doing or what they're where they were going. Yeah. I'm getting bored just talking about it. <laughs> yeah, so am I. I feel like I'm just on fucking repeat. Anyway, the movie sucks. It's pretty fucking bad. It's still fucking awful. And, uh... Yeah. If you want to watch it... You can, but you're just going to be disappointed. Yeah, I mean... It's like it's like getting french fries somewhere, right? So the first Independence Day is getting fresh fries somewhere that are just, like, perfect. They're the perfect temperature. They don't burn your mouth. You can eat them. They're good on their own. They're good with ketchup. They're good with any type of dipping sauce that you choose. And Independence Day resurgence is, like, when you're a naive asshole and you try to fucking reheat yesterday's french fries and eat them later and you just realize that i was gonna say it's more like fucking bothered you just wasted your time by not throwing them away to begin with you shouldn't even messed with it yet you're dumb enough to try i think it's more like finding like six month old french fry or two under your seat and then trying to eat it in the car you know i've never tried to do that but we need a dog for exactly But that's what this movie felt like. Yes. That's what it felt like doing. Yes, that's uh, it's terrible. Don't watch it. We'll pretend like it didn't happen. I'll report back once I read some of these books, because there's a prequel book that takes place when uh, the Roswell thing happens. There's the actual movie novel adap- adaption that I have, and there's one that takes place um, the same time the regular movie does, just in a, on different continent over in the Middle East, so... Hopefully those writers are more inspired than whoever wrote the sequel. <laughs> Hope so. For your sake. Yeah, me too. If not, I won't fucking read them. <laughs> I'll quit. I know when to quit a terrible book, just like I know when to quit a terrible movie. <laughs> so, Independence Yeah, but you Day. watched this one all the way through. I felt like I should have just watched the first movie twice. Would have been better, way like way more useful. I would have been able to do that actually. I w- yeah, I would have paid attention to it again too. Yeah, I would have sat there and been like, oh man, even though this just happened, this is amazing. This is good. Hmm? It's real good. <sighs> so that was emotional, exhausting dump of a movie. Yeah. Kind of feel like you feel a little angry after talking about it now. Like I kind of want to lash out irrationally, but I, I I don't. I mean, this movie's already six years old, and it's yeah. Well, it should have been. It shouldn't have reached six. It should have been aborted. Yeah, someone should have not funded this movie. Oh, it's terrible. So. How do we want to end this on a more positive note? Because that just bummed me out. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm pretty fucking bummed now too. Let's talk about uh, what's what's going on next week. What are we gonna do next week? Next week we're gonna do some uh, normal, normal podcast, more uplifting. Yeah, we'll get <laughs> we'll get back to some normal stuff on here. Um, we'll obviously have our comic book discussion going again for the next episode with the more Frog Brothers, Ghostbusters. Yep, we'll do all those fun things again. We need a fun movie for next week, but we'll figure that out offline. But you know what I am looking forward to. Seeing Ghostbusters on the big screen this week. Possibly. Yeah, well, I may or may not get to do that. Possibly twice. There's two theaters showing it. Oh, you know what I am doing? Tomorrow night, Evil Dead is touring some drive-ins, and I'm going to go watch that. Yeah, you're really fucking lucky for that, because I don't get to see that here. Um, And then our friend Tony has a movie premiering at the Boulevard drive-in on Thursday night. Uh, It's called I Am Lisa. He was a producer on that movie, worked on it in a number of roles, I believe. And so I'm excited to see one of his movies debut on a large screen like that. So that'll be fun to go check out. So Wednesday is Ghostbusters, Thursday's that, and then I think one of the other local theaters is going to play Ghostbusters again on the weekend. So um, definitely looking forward to that. Glorious. And of course the 4th of July itself, but most major cities don't have fireworks displays going, so I'm really just kind of looking forward to a low-key 4th of July to try to get some of those vibes that I... Normally would, but yeah, we'll kind of see how it goes. Everything's just been so strange this year that uh, can't make much sense of it right now. Well, I mean, the aliens, uh, what day do those ships start appearing in Independence Day? The 2nd? We still got some time for some weird shit like that to happen on July 2nd. Yeah, we could. I mean, at least make things interesting. I mean, I'm sure aliens that's... would... I'd feel way less threatened by aliens than, like... Yeah, half the shit that's going on right now. Fuck, I'd feel way less threatened by aliens than half the idiots that are fucking of our species. People arguing I mean, about yeah. masks and being divided about it. Well, how are we going to... I saw somebody that I uh, went to high school with post a thing on there. He's like, post a thing that said, you're going to now mandate masks? He's like, or mandating masks net three months into a pandemic is like having condoms at a baby shower. You're like, no, dipshit. Like, you might think that's funny, but that's not really how any of this works. Like, yeah. The, People's lack of scientific understanding is fucking insane. But it also shows why we're so underdeveloped compared to every other country, why we only speak one language here for the most part. And Americans want everyone to speak English when you come here, but you go somewhere overseas and you're <coughs> desperate for someone to speak English to you. And they usually do yeah, people, because they value education in a lot of places. Yeah, it's crazy. So, anyway, enough about that rant, but... uh. Don't blow your fingers and shit off this weekend when you're doing that. Um, put some smoke bombs in your ghost traps. Put some sparklers on the end of your proton wand. Do some weird shit. Geek out. Have fun. Party hard. Get drunk. Get in people's pools. Don't wear clothes. You can do that in any order you want. Um, if you're not wearing clothes to start, though, you may get picked up by the police. You may Shoot get... a bottle rocket out of your butthole. <laughs> you could do that, too. and that's It's probably a possibility, so... Just don't get a splinter Debo there. did it once. Oh, he did? Yeah, just watch out for yeah. splinters in your rectum. Because it damn near killed him. <laughs> I am here, my son. Erokosaki. Is that the kind of splinter you mean to watch out for in your butthole for? Yeah, that reminds me of a meme I saw the other day talking about animals that can fit in your butt, and it was just kind of weird. But then that always goes back to mall rats. He's like, Jesus Christ, Walter. There's just some things you don't talk about in public. 
How else was I supposed to get the gerbil out, Brody? <laughs> My cousin was a weird guy. <laughs> yep, that's so great. So if anything, if you I have re- that coming in the mail on VHS. Oh, that's an amazing VHS. If you feel like doing anything wild and crazy and you want a fun movie to feel like your life's back to normal, watch Mallrats. That movie's just about the fucking most regular-ass shit you can do in America and consumerism. <laughs> yep. I love it. need to get the VCR out, though, because I do believe I have a copy of Dogma on VHS in my collection from previously. So that would have been from when I bought it in the old-fashioned times when it was new on VHS. Yeah. Yeah, if you still have that copy of Dawn of the Dead that you had back then, that one's worth 20 or 30 bucks. Dawn of the Dead director's cut? Yes, I sure do. Still have that one. With the rainbow clamshell? Mm-hmm. Yep. Hell yeah. Yep, that's a good one. All right, well, I think we'll wrap it down here for now, but uh, we will talk to you guys next week. Hit us up on our social medias. Let us know what you think. Let us know what your top five movies are for alien encounters on the planet earth could be good could be bad could be indifferent could be funny could be scary could be sad um, we can go back we can go forward we can go side sign yeah. <laughs> oh give me the barf bag here <laughs> uh is it something i said look at me i look like la chamille <laughs> right he's so uh, that's they even tried to do that in the second one where he says something he says some weird, like, uh, you know, Jewish insult or word. Underutilized. If I was to make another Independence Day sequel, before I really wrap up here, I would make it about him and about his book being adapted into a movie. Because, you know, he made it all up. Like, one of the highlights of his movies, like, that's how I came up with the idea that saved the world. When he just said the word yeah. virus. And you're like, um, or catch a cold. You're going to catch a cold. Right. Uh, that would have that would have been a good movie. Fuck, he needs his own TV series just about what he's done since the war with the aliens. I was like very surprised how good he looked in that. When you're like, huh, that's twenty years later, and he pretty much looks the same. Yeah, he looks the same. He looks fine. Some people looked fucking haggard, or some people just just naturally age. And you're like, did they fucking time travel and get you out of there? <laughs> right, Doctor Oaken about looked the same. Yeah, he looked pretty much the same, too. You're like, huh, okay. I like how he makes fun of his friend for getting fat and, like, going bald. <laughs> and he checks on his yeah. own hair, and he's like, oh, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. uh, there are a few glimmers of hope in that movie, and that's basically it. So, All right, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. let's stop talking about it before I get pissed again. Yeah, I was going to say, look, we got we to gotta jump ship. What's the matter? You jump ship or something, kid? You want a Pepsi, you're going to have to pay for it. Not a word, not a word. You are here because you want me to make a donation to the Coast Guard Youth Auxiliary. <laughs> the Coast Guard Youth Auxiliary. That's a good fucking band not name. Not a word. Not a word, I said. <laughs> That's a good band name. <laughs> or an album name, for that matter. <laughs> right. All right, kids. We'll see you next week. Peace out. These are my dinner guests. The Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers. These are my dinner guests. Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers, Frog Brothers. These are my dinner guests. The Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers, Frog Brothers. These are my dinner guests. Frog Brothers. Frog Brothers, Frog Brothers. These are my dinner guests.